Amen. Well, amen, Lord. Thank you for this topic. Even though it is high and deep, Lord, we open to you. Unveil our heart. Shine the light so we could see and understand what's in your word. Let's read the title together. So actually, a lot of people will use this topic to attack the morality of God. They'll say, why would God cause Abraham to offer his son on the altar? But they're blind and they don't see. So we want to be able to see actually why this account is in the Bible. But let's read these verses. Maybe brothers could read Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. It's on the outline. After that, sisters could read uh, Romans 4, 17. Amen. Brothers, read Roman numeral one, please. God tested Abraham by instructing him to take his only son, Isaac, and offer him as a burnt offering. So here it says that God tested Abraham. And we see that God actually may test his believers. And he will do that to all of us. But Satan is the one who tempts. Satan is one who tempts us because he wants us to fall. God tests us because he wants to perfect us and he wants, us, wants to help us to grow. So here we could actually see that God wanted Abraham to offer up Isaac as a test. So Isaac was something that was given to Abraham from God as a promise. So you'll see here that he didn't really want um, Eliezer. He didn't really want Lot. He didn't even want, uh, he didn't even want his other son, Ishmael. And the reason is, is because this wasn't directly connected to his heart. It would have been easy for Abraham to give these things up and give it to God without that much of a loss. So God did not really want these things. Why did he want Isaac? What was unique about Isaac? Well, Isaac was his only son. And it was what he loved. And it was what he cherished. So for Abraham to offer up this, it shows as a test, it was actually a very difficult thing. So we can see that this offering up of Isaac shows that Isaac became at this moment a burnt offering. And we can see two important points of a burnt offering. It's not in the outline, so you may want to write this down. One, a burnt offering as an offering in general. First, it is a change in position. So here you can see that Isaac was the beloved son of Abraham. Now Isaac 
was being offered and given to God. So his position changed. The other one was Isaac was for Abraham's satisfaction. Now Isaac is for God's satisfaction. So his purpose changed. So you have the change in position and the change of purpose. But here we could see that it was not just any offering. It was a burnt offering. What is significant about the burnt offering? The burnt offering literally in Hebrew means that which goes up. And that which goes up, what was it for? It was for the satisfaction of the Father. This actually typifies Christ. What did Christ do as this uh, burnt offering? Well, he redeemed man. He's redeeming man. He, is, he lived a life that fully satisfies God in every single way and was perfect before God in every single way. And it withheld nothing back for himself. So it was absolutely for God's satisfaction. But one thing that's really important about the burnt offering is not only is Jesus this absolute perfect one that the Father completely delights in, but the burnt offering enables us to be the very same thing that Jesus was for the satisfaction of the Father. And so here, Numbers 28, 2, if you want to, it's actually in uh, B, 1B. It says, my offering, my food for my offer. This is my offering, my food for my offerings by fire of a satisfying fragrance to me. So we could see that actually the offering was food to God. As a smoke would rise up, it was satisfying to God in every single way. So it, it uh, met his need, it satisfied him, and it made God very happy. So this is uh, what's unique about it. But you could see here that Isaac was promised by God. Ishmael was not. Lot was not. Even Eliezer was not promised by God. But Isaac was. And Isaac was promised by God, and it was from God given to Abraham. But this test was the very thing that God gave to Abraham Abraham or God wanted back. So this is the unique situation in this kind of uh, group of scriptures in Genesis that God gave Abraham something that Abraham loved so much and then God asked for it back. And so I want to share with you all that in your life you may have talents, gifts, you may have certain abilities humanly that God actually has given you and we all have these things and even as you're experiencing the Lord and you're growing in the Lord you may receive some speaking from God some leading from God even some deep subjective experiences of him and you may attain to certain things and you could look back and you could go God did this for me these are our Isaacs these are our Isaacs. And what God actually wants is not that thing. So this is what's interesting. It's not that God wanted Isaac in himself as a person. Do you know what God wanted? Isaac 
occupied space in Abraham's heart. Abraham loved Isaac. Abraham cherished Isaac. Isaac was the delight of Abraham. That very space that Isaac occupied in Abraham's heart, God wanted. So our attainments, if you succeed or you achieve something or experience something amazing of the Lord, we got to be careful because that very thing may occupy some space in our heart. We may cherish it. It may become like a jewel to us and we just hold tight to it. But then one day God may go, I want that. Why don't you give that to me? So I'll share testimonies always help. I got saved in 2006 and I consecrated my life to the Lord. And I, one of my prayers was, Lord, I want to serve you my whole life. And I, I said that prayer and I was going in that direction. And then I touched this particular church life. And in that particular church life, I threw it all away. And so I uh, worked, then I went to school, and then I had these experiences. And then there was a call that certain people of my age at that time would drop their jobs and serve God. And I remember it welled up within me because I knew my calling in the past. And I said, I want to serve the Lord. But then I knew that was something that was of me. With it. Even though God gave me that desire, it was within my heart and I still held and I cherished it. And then you know what God told me? He said, I don't want you to do that. He said, start a business. And I said, amen, Lord, I'm going to start a business. And so I did. And then I, I consecrated that business to the Lord. And then you know what happened? Several years later, the Lord said, I want your business. And I said, amen, Lord, I'll give you my business. And you know what the Lord did? And then he said, I want you to serve me with all your time. I'm getting the chills thinking about it. And so I realized I, I, the very thing that God gave me, I gave back to him. And you know what? He gave it to me back in resurrection. And so we can see that uh, Paul did this and Moses did this very thing. And so it took several years uh, for this to happen. But there's a principle. We'll actually open this up more. Um, brothers, can you read uh, Roman numeral 2? Right, so actually, you know what Abe knew? Abe knew that this was the promised seed. He knew it. So he knew that if he offered this, God would raise him from the dead. That's what we read in the verses, right? He knew that God would raise him from the dead. Why? Because this one was promised to him by God. God promised it. So, he, you know, Abraham did not negotiate. He did not say, oh, wait, 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 God, you gave this to me. You know, this is a little bit much. Maybe he did not try to reason with him and negotiate how to work this out so he could get his way. He did not do any of that. He didn't even say, okay, God, we'll go up to the mountain, but I'm going to bring this ram with me. And, you know, when we get up there, yeah, I'll offer up Isaac, but then I'm going to offer the ram instead, right? He did not do any of this. He's just simply obeyed. He said, yes, Lord and he just went. He didn't even think about it. And so you can see here that 
Abraham did not initiate anything in himself. And he did not do anything according to his preference or according to his concept. He just simply obeyed God. Sisters, read three. So he knew what a man of faith this was. He even called him, he said, Jehovah Jireh. It has two meanings. It says God will provide. And he says, and also God will be seen. God will be known. So he's like, you know what, God? You will make yourself known by providing this very need. Whether Abraham is offered, you will bring him back in resurrection. Or Isaac is offered. Or you will provide the offering in the place of Isaac. So this is amazing. Brothers, read Roman numeral 4. So what did Abraham do? He believed in God. And because of this believing and this process he went through, he experienced him. He experienced him as the God of resurrection. Why? Because he said, this is the God who gives life to the dead. This is the God of resurrection. So in Abraham's eyes, he was to offer up Isaac. He took Isaac up to the mountain. And instead of offering him, the ram came. And actually, the angel of Jehovah stopped him. And there was a ram in the thicket. In Abraham's eyes, Isaac was dead. He was nothing. He was dead. And so he considered that he, this God, this Jehovah, is the God of resurrection. So this was his confirmation and a firm covenant to him. He realized God is a God of promise. You know what he said to him? He said, in this seed, Isaac, he said, there was the promise, there was the covenant, there was the great nation. Out of this seed, what if, John, God had him slay Isaac, and then Isaac was gone? No more. This shows that everything that God spoke was in vain. This also means if God's speaking is in vain, then what kind of God do we have? We have a God who speaks vapor. He speaks air. His speaking is like meaningless gossip and meaningless words. We can't depend on him whatsoever. And that means that our God is a liar. So he knew and stood upon God's word. So... When you experience the Lord, maybe you've been given a certain talent or a certain gift and you go, God, you gave this to me. I was born with this or I had this spiritual experience or I attained a certain thing by which I know that this is from you. You know what you do? You say, God, I give this back to you. This is not for me, right? Do you all remember the two basic principles of an offering, two of them. Does anyone remember what they are? Change in position and a change in purpose. So when you have that spiritual experience or you have that ability, what do you do? You make it a change of position. No longer is it for you, right? In this position, you sanctify it and you position it for the Lord. And its purpose changes. No more is it for your benefit. 
No more is it for your satisfaction, but its very purpose is for the satisfaction of the Father. This is actually what an offering is. So Abraham, Abraham lived based on this promise, right? He lived on it. We call him the father of faith. So actually, sisters, can you read C? Under 4C. So we tested Abraham. Abraham took Isaac, he brought him up to the mountain, and he laid everything out, and he's about to slay him. And the angel of Jehovah comes, and he stops him. And he's, there's a ram in the thicket, so the offering was made. And so he realized that Abraham passed this test. And you know what? The very thing that God has us offer back to him passes through death, in its natural aspect, it's dead in our heart, no longer occupying its space. That natural gift, whatever it is, and it's actually given back to us in resurrection. So, you know, if you have that spiritual experience or you have that gift, it's like a grain of wheat. And I think a lot of us have heard this principle. If you hold on to that one grain of wheat, if you hold on to that ability, that spiritual experience or that attainment, it will benefit you. You're going to hold on to it. It will help you. It will maybe help some other people, but it will always stay one grain of wheat. But if we take that spiritual experience or that attainment and we sow it into the ground, death, we offer it to God, what happens? One grain of wheat went down to die. What did it produce, Colton? Many grains right? The death produces one thing will die and it is raised in resurrection to be many things. And what do those many things do? It becomes a great blessing to other people. So, so every gift, every spiritual blessing, work or attainment, when we offer it to God, no longer does it occupy us and it's for our own benefit. Actually, now, it is put through death, it is raised in resurrection, and it becomes a blessing to other people. Other people get to enjoy the benefit of that. And that's because it was uh, offered up. So we will be under God's blessing. So I want to uh, maybe read these verses again, maybe in the light of this. Uh, we'll switch it this time. Sisters, can you read Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, and then brothers... Romans 4, 17. Right, so our faith should be such that when God comes in and says, Jalen, I want that, that what? 
We don't negotiate with God. We obey Him immediately, knowing that if we offer it to Him, no longer is it ours, but is actually for God. And we know that He will raise it from the dead. And in resurrection, that very thing will become a blessing. It becomes a channel of blessing, not only to you, but to other people. And it will be used for God's purpose. So I have a question for you. How do we offer something? How do you do it? And that's the question I want everyone to have fellowship. How, when God, how do we know God is asking for us to offer something? And if we realize God is asking for something, how do we offer it to Him? 